this up in my headphones, Charles. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan. And today we're doing another one of our uh, thought pieces, I guess you would say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's one way to frame it. And from the title, you can tell we are talking about the theme of friendship in the book Red Sister by Mark Lawrence, book one of the Book of the Ancestor. Well, Charles, way back in my friend's pitching fantasy episode where I pitched this book for you, I said that this, or I pitched the series as a whole, I said it had some interesting things to say about friendship that actually felt fresh, which is a great compliment to any book series that they can say something that feels new when it comes to the concept of friendship, which has been explored in depth to the point where it's almost a trope, like the power of friendship can get our heroes through things. Uh, I'm excited to be able to dive in a little bit more here. Me too. I mean, the the theme of friendship is a very like generalized term, but you'll see that in Red Sister, Mark Lawrence does get really nuanced about it and it's the dynamic of the characters and kind of how our main character Nona goes against the grain a little bit in this and how this arc of having friends and allowing herself to trust in friends works both to her advantage and to her detriment in the setting of Book of the Ancestor which is a pretty unforgiving uh, world. That is Charles and I I'm super excited to get into this one. We will just be focusing on the theme of friendship here. So any listeners looking for a more thorough discussion of Red Sister, I can direct you to our Buddy Read episode, which is over an hour long, once called A Great Listen by Mark Lawrence himself. Right, Charles? Mm, That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a certified uh, quote. (laughs) That's for the book cover right there. (laughs) So, my memoirist, Charles, which is not the first time we brought up that I'm going to write a tell-all book about the FTF podcast when this is all said and done. Yep. Anyway, one of the themes of the FTF podcast is, of course, friendship as well, as you're seeing. And uh, we will be getting into this with spoilers for Red Sister. Want to give a heads up about that one? before we get in too deep let's do it and also this is only covering red sister not the other two books in the trilogy so as far as Correct. spoilers go it's really just for red sister we won't get too much into uh, the other two books in this trilogy not yet anyway hey <laughs> all right charles well i was thinking that it could be interesting to explore the theme of friendship mostly by taking Nona's relationships and putting them under a magnifying glass 
And Ooh, I sang, see what you're doing there. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> it's a, it might be a reference to the moon. But I think that we could talk about Nona's specific relationships with each character in depth and say, what does this say about friendship? What do you think of that as a route to go? Let's here, do it. Well, you know, this gives me an excuse to talk about my favorite character in Red Sister, which it, whom is Clara. Uh, <laughs> starting yep. right with Clara. <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> well, I absolutely love the relationship between Clara and Nona. I think the sort of... Tr- triangle of a relationship between Nona, Clara, and Ara are at the core of Red Sister especially. And maybe the whole trilogy, but I won't get into details. And the thing that happens with Clara here is she pretty quickly falls into that, oh, she's the first friend that Nona makes at this magic academy setting that we get Mm -hmm. with sweet mercy convent and then she's slowly unveiled to have more depth to her a little bit more of a almost wicked side to her as time goes on i do want to start with the quote where it becomes clear that nona and clara are actually friends with each other uh charles i think that's interesting to see there's a few interactions throughout this book uh, where right. we get to actually hear this is the moment where i'm Nona curious which friends. quote you're talking about lay it on me well it starts with clara is sitting on the edge of her bed and then she says we're friends then she asked without preamble watching nona's eyes Friend can be a dangerous word, Nona said. Clara laughed. Friend? Really? It is if you mean it. Nona didn't smile. She thought of Amando and of Seda. Friend was a bond. Much of what people did, how they acted, confused Nona. But friend she understood. A friend you would die for or kill for. Well, I mean it. Clara let her own smile slip. Then we are. It seemed enough for Clara. She rose from Nona's bed and went to her own, flipping the penny once and humming some tune, low and sweet. So there's this interesting moment where Clara asks in a straightforward way, are we friends? And Nona, at this point, is basically willing to be friends with just about anyone who wants to be her friend. She just needs them to very clearly say to her, the word friend before she's ready. <laughs> and then when the you book. do agree, it's like this blood oath yeah. thing that she's taking. So it's like super interesting how she's so willing to become someone's friend and how seriously she'll take it also. Exactly. <laughs> well, Clara, you can see, is kind of offhanded in this. And this pretty much foreshadows the way Clara sees friendship throughout this book where she's kind of laughing and she's like, yeah, like friend is a like dangerous word. Sure. (laughs) Well, like if you say so. And Nona is thinking very, very seriously about what this commitment means. (laughs) Sure. One of the things that when I think about Mark Lawrence as his like seat at the table of great fantasy authors, one of the things I've always really loved about his writing style is this, 
pragmatism that kind of prevails through certain characters. Like with Broken Empire, it was Yorg who's like putting pretty much like a hundred on pragmatism and like zero on anything else. So it's like you get a little bit of that with Clara, right? This pragmatic a view of friendship where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm your friend now. And then she'll kind of go and be like, oh, you can't trust everybody all the time. You know, you'd be a little more realistic about these things. Right. And, uh, tr- and this idea of, like trust is a weapon and lies are a necessary shield, which is another quote about trust and friendship in red sister. And it's this idea of characters who are willing to kind of logically do what suits best for them in the moment thinking ahead of like how to advance and what the most pragmatic way to advance is in this world. And Nona doesn't necessarily think that way. Nona has a much more righteous view of friendship. And it's sometimes that's what puts Clara and Nona at odds at several moments, even though they do like each other and are friends. It's this different idea of like pragmatism versus like friendship is the sacred bond. And that's what kind of gets them at, at odds eventually. Exactly, Charles. And That brings me to this other set of quotes I grabbed, which is from the end of Red Sister, Mm -hmm. where they then reflect on the conversation I I read earlier, where you get to hear Clara's pragmatism clash with Nona's righteousness about friendship. So Nona sees Clara, and even after Clara's just almost killed Aura, Nona says, I've missed you, Clara. It's been too many years. And Clara says, we are children, Nona. Children make and break friendships all the time. It's not important. This, what we're doing now, this is important. It's about sides in the great game that's being played, and you're on the wrong one, the losing one. You should change sides. Nona says, I'm not playing, and I've always been on your side, Clara. You've just not properly understood it. (laughs) So, yeah, and it's so cool seeing that in (laughs) where this moment where they became friends to Nona is like, we've taken this blood bond, as you say, Charles. Mm-hmm. While to Clara, she's reflecting on that moment and she's like, Nona, we were like kids. I was like 12 or whatever. <laughs> and I was sitting on my bed and I was like, are we friends? And we we're like, yeah. And we laughed. <laughs> but Nona was not laughing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting distinction there. And it, and it's interesting to see how it, how it plays out as well. This idea for Nona, it's like, I've always been on your side. And even as far as like, you know, she had attacked attacked Ara in this flash forward, right? So um, the fact that Nona is still holding on to those elements of friendship when most of the pragmatic characters would be like, oh, you know, friends will hurt you and truth is a danger, like lying is a shield and all that. And you have to be conservative about some of these stuff. Nona's just always head first, full charge <laughs> into, into this idea of friendship, much like she is with walking the path. <laughs> Yeah, she runs into everything heart first, as I mentioned in our friends Pitching Fantasy. Once Nona is committed to something, she is going to go head first and run as fast as she can in that direction, much like, like you mentioned, Charles, the path. Right, and despite all the warnings she gets from her teachers and even these ominous things from her friends, she... Uh, you know, by the end of this book is still fully bought into it. And it's been working for her, honestly. She's been able to achieve a lot by just going, doing things her own way, which is running heart first, full on into these things. That's kind of the source of her strength. 
That she does, but we get to see a little more nuance here in how Nona views friendship, especially around Clara, where while she's very committed to the idea of once you're my friend, I'm always on your side, she is not Pollyanna-ish in her way of expecting things from your friend. So she's not thinking uh, that everyone else will hold friendship up to this high place that Nona does because she's actually hearing all of these warnings that she's getting from people like like Kettle, who says, uh, the hardest lesson I ever learned was that every bad thing you see a friend to do to someone else, it'll someday do you and explicitly reference Clara in that. Yes. She, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Nona's hearing all that and Nona actually is able to see that Clara will end up betraying her hence why she takes the black cure in preparation for Clara trying to poison her absolutely yeah it's this commitment to the idea of friend that um, definitely shapes Nona's strength and also how people can kind of either use her or be used by her you know it's interesting to see how clara was able to exude so many troubling signs the ominous signs and even you know being like all of a sudden coming into a little more money going off on these off days and coming back and being very like withholding and and it's you know, Nona's still all bought in. Even at the moment of her betrayal, kind of, Nona is still on her side in many ways. So it's interesting to see this idea of friendship being portrayed um, where, where the character's so committed, <laughs> even when sometimes the facts are stacked against them. Exactly. She's able to acknowledge, hey, Clara might do some things where it makes it seem like she's not on my side anymore. But once I've called someone a friend, I'm willing to accept that they're going to do those things and I will always be on their side no matter what they do to me. And you do wonder, though we don't know so much yet, you do wonder what kind of influence I may or may not have on Clara's perspective on Nona. Right, because even at the moment of betrayal, Clara still likes Nona. You know, she still has feelings of friendship towards Nona for certain. And she never intended Nona to get caught in the middle of it, but she was being manipulated by the Tassis to give up Nona as well as Aura at that moment. So she's not fully turned. She was still kind of acting with kind of good intention she still betrayed her other friends and betrayed nona but she wasn't willing to to give up on nona and she's walking that line a little more finely than than nona does of what clara deems to be an acceptable thing to do to get ahead it might be a little a little bit more mischievous or 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 maniacal than what nona would do but that's the idea of how friendship is used by both of these characters Exactly. And as you're getting at there, Charles, Clara is uh, thinking at that time that she's only really getting Aura in trouble with the taxes. She's been told that that's the only thing they're after. So 
we don't know at this point whether Clara would or would not have betrayed Nona if she knew the reality of what the taxis is, right. taxi, <laughs> uh, <laughs> want with Nona. But Nona's kind of speculating at this point with the price of gone up, which she... yeah, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this all comes from the relationship dynamic between the three of them where Nona's starting to prefer Ara to Clara. And Clara keeps trying to subtly reach out to Nona, give her chances to like hang out or open up or whatever. And Nona has every time without knowing it chosen Ara and kind of hurt Clara's feelings a little more. Mark Lawrence does a really subtle job of never openly saying that but he does write in these moments where clara kind of gives an open invitation and nona just doesn't recognize it doesn't take it and often is choosing to hang out with ara instead and it's these little moments that kind of you could say corrupted clara a little more like she already was a pragmatic minded very driven to make money already open to these kinds of betrayals but just the fact that Nona seemed to be moving on from Clara and going more with Ara. And we know from just reading school trope kind of books, Clara was supposed to be the Ron Weasley. And now she's known as going off with the Draco Malfoy. It's a kind of betrayal that you wouldn't believe to be possible, but is happening. And then they're both chosen ones and she isn't. And then Ara's a wealthy royal, which is something that Clara has always coveted. So this kind of hatred ha- has formed for Ara that leads Claire to convince herself that she can commit this betrayal, you know? So it's a very interesting buildup that is again, stemming from just a bunch of like, just like high school drama, <laughs> essentially <laughs> amongst friends. Yeah. Not teenagers. even at this point, middle school yeah. age, middle think, school. Charles. Right. Hey, those middle school and... friendship dramas, they're brutal, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Charles. We've we've managed uh, to. <laughs> That's true. We didn't really get to experience for, that yeah. so much, but <laughs> it is a common thing. Charles, once I called you my friend, I went all known on it. Exactly, and... we're all known it in on this on this friendship. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you were mentioning Ara there, and I think there's a lot that I want to get into about Ara, but I, I want to actually go more toward talking about some of these earlier perceptions of friendships that Nona has back when she's in this place where she basically only believes someone's (laughs) her friend if they say it explicitly to (laughs) so that's her earliest friend is the juggler and basically he offhandedly is like older and stuff like that uses the word friend and everything kind of clicks into place for no like okay he said friend like i've always wanted one of those and now i am all in on this thing and that came from nona being so isolated for her early years and all the other kids pretty much rejecting her and that's how she developed the idea that friendship was so important mm-hmm. um but the juggler also ends up betraying Nona, uh, which we find out later in the book, which is how he prepares her for this moment that Clara might betray 
Nona too. <laughs> so that's that's important, I think, for the Nona theme of friendship bit. Anything you want to say on the on the juggler? Um, not really. No, it's just more interesting that he, like her first friendship was with this mysterious juggler character that we didn't know about for so long and but all we knew was that for some reason that's like her friend her her one and only friend for a long time so um no not i think you did a good job covering it sure then there's Sida is her next friend mm-hmm. basically again just like they i think nona just says to her like you're my friend now <laughs> And She's then like, friend, <laughs> and so it's like okay, <laughs> yeah. And Sida, very good natured. Um, sh- this ends up being something that, although it's relatively small portion of the story where Sida's actually alive, <laughs> she's like the main motivation for Nona's number one conflict throughout this book with the. Taxes, I. <laughs> yes, the taxes. I'll just say, um, <laughs> yeah, it, that beginning piece propels her through pretty much all of her motivations up until Hessa, Hessa, yes, Hessa gets you know unfortunately killed, <laughs> and they go through the the like thread bond, you know, which is something that all the teachers are kind of like horrified of. It's like, oh, it's too soon. You don't know what you're doing. This is reckless. And then Nona's like, she's my friend. What? I would, I'd do this to all my friends if I could. You know, this idea of being that intimately connected is kind of the embodiment of what how Nona treats friendships anyway. So it's kind of interesting to see, um, talking about another relationship with Nona's, Nona and Hessa. And uh, yes, Hessa was kind of the stand-in for, for Sida at I I see anyway, you know, if she has becomes the next fueling drive as Nona kind of well, matures. We, don't wanna, we do know what happens to Hesse and Red Sister, but we don't want to get too deep beyond that. I know. Um, so the, yeah, the side of peace, I think pretty much the thing to get from it is that someone who Nona knew as briefly as she did actually ends up by nature being called her friend, inciting everything that happens in this book and therefore in the trilogy. So mm-hmm. it's pretty huge <laughs> that the whole conflict starts because you messed with Nona's friend. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole theme of friendship comes from, you know, this is a, a setting that is cold both literally and figuratively right it's like this yeah, ice right. age planet everyone's fighting to survive and we know that the corridor is shrinking and people are being a, a little more pushed towards conflict and you even have known as teachers being like be careful who you're friends with be careful with the truth you should tell more lies you know like <laughs> all of these Things And it is through the virtue of friendship that Nona's able to survive and accomplish anything in this world. We know she comes full circle, like it comes to a head at the end of this book. The only reason she even survives fighting with uh, Raymond Taxis mm-hmm. in Raymond Taxis or whatever his name is. Raymond Taxis. the first time. In the, 
in the first place is because she had her whole posse of friends that she's won over to help her in the fight, right? She won over Darla. She has Arabella. She even has Hessa chipping in. So it's like the combined... Now effort... Hessa... Well, well she a... played her part in it. With she wasn't Yisht. there. with, But yeah, yeah, she was a part of it. And I think Jula was in the mix. Jula was in the mix. You know, there's a whole bunch of them. And... Um, it's their united front that is what caused her to, um, you know, achieve victory at the end of the book. So it's interesting how every warning Nona receives about friendship and also just about the way she chooses to walk the path and, and fight and stuff. Everyone is telling her not to do the things that she's doing, and but she's finding what works for her and she's going with it. It's like... She's ignoring all this advice, but it's working out. And one of those things is friendship, where it's like, be careful who you trust. And yes, she did get betrayed by Clara, but there's still that glimmer of hope we get in the flash forward. So how much is this theme of like unconditional love and friendship, how much of that will be the true power in this cold, harsh setting? You know, will my commitment to my love for you, my friendship for you, be what saves us at the end of the day you know we we are left with a glimmer of hope even in the flash forward uh, that you know Nona's still holding out for Clara and we don't know how this will all play out in this final battle that's happening in the flash forward so that's also well said Charles <laughs> for Nona the the guiding principle in this really complicated world that she doesn't understand so yeah. well becomes okay you do things right by your friends. And just the number one impetus <laughs> for many, many, many of her actions, basically the only time that isn't happening is when she's just full of rage. But even yeah. then, she doesn't seem to lose sight of you help your friends, you do right by your friends. Right. And when and she is full of rage, it seems to be her friendships mm -hmm. that are the driving force like she remembers Seda True. getting attacked or she feels the loss of Hessa you know like these yes. things when she her motivation that fuels her rage is the is how people treat her friends you know so that's a huge part source of her her power which is um, a really interesting <laughs> character device there it is and Charles when you <laughs> spoke about this in the lens of it's her main driving force and how she thinks through the world. It made me think about when Hessa calls Nona her friend and she ends up then saying uh, in her internal monologue, the idea that someone might count her as a friend without her knowledge or agreement suddenly complicated things. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, for so long she was in that place where it's like, uh, um, so Hess like explains to her like hey you can be friends without saying the word friend yeah. and it's like for Nona it was so much more comprehensible for her to <laughs> say well I know I do right by my friends and I know who all my friends are so that's that <laughs> and then yeah. things start getting more complex for Nona when it comes to this point where people haven't necessarily said friend to her and she still might have to treat them that way right right exactly she's like oh man how many people am i friends with that i don't know i got so many people to protect <laughs> it's like yeah it's kind of a fun 
thing for Nona. And I will also say that it's Nona's um, ability to, um, where am I going with this? Her ability to kind of commit to friendships in a world that kind of is not designed for them is what is her, is what makes the idea of friendship so interesting in this trilogy, right? In Book of the Ancestor. It, it it comes back to this whole thing of like, I would rather be with my friends and losing. I'd rather be with, I'd rather have a friend that ultimately betrays me than not have any friends at all. So it's, she's, ex, she's accepting the bad with the good when it comes to friends. And she, even with Clara, who, you know, bails on her it, it she's still like i wouldn't have traded it for anything you get that idea of i'd rather have friends and live in this world side by side with my friends than be so guarded and be so alone because she's felt loneliness she's had her mom and her whole village sell her off for free to a child taker and put her in a cage you know so she doesn't want to go back to that she'd sooner be in the company of others it was only her friendship with Seda that got her through that time with Giljon and that's the one of the things that she coveted so much that was her driving force for such a large part of this book and I think that's one of the main themes Mark Lawrence is trying to bring home it's like hey this it's better to open yourself up to these things to experience that friendship and that connection than it is to be worried about all the betrayals and the pragmatic dangers you could potentially be in from having friends. That's so well said, Charles. And I think that's a theme that we see pop up in other books. It's a theme we've even talked about with other books covered on this podcast. I guess I won't yeah. say anything else for fear of spoiling something outside of what we're talking about. But it feels like this dynamic between Nona, Clara, and Ara allows for Lawrence to explore this theme and round it out in ways that we don't really get to see elsewhere anywhere i i've really seen before yeah and it's the use of these flash forwards we get so much development so quickly we have the context of there was this like epic falling out that they're now on opposite sides of huge armies <laughs> and then we come back to them in middle school so it's like you know there's the weight of that that's over this whole really trilogy trio here that's the driving um interest and that gives this book a lot of momentum and a lot of energy it's like what happens they seem like such good friends known as all in on friendship why would anyone like fight against her you know and it's um and it's an interesting character development piece it's it's what drives the whole book of red sister (laughs) that it does charles well i feel like you did a great job of fleshing out the the sentiment that comes across from the book as a whole i think the only friendship worth chatting right now about that we didn't chat about in detail would be with aura but i feel like you've already said a lot about the big points that come <laughs> through here is there anything left you want to say about aura um I, we mentioned it a decent amount in our red sister about how we 
you know, this idea of friendship, but also this idea of the school tropes where it's like, oh, she's the Draco Malfoy. We're not supposed to be friends with her. And then ours, and then Nona's like, her only crimes really were the ones that I projected onto her, as well as the fact that she's the perceived chosen one. And And even more so the ones Clara projected onto. (laughs) Yes. So she's like, maybe I should be more open-minded about like who I consider friendly and not friendly. And maybe I need to shed some of my own insecurities. And that was interesting to see that relationship with Ara be formed, right? It kind of subverted our school trope expectations and it kind of opened Nona's mind more to be a little more like empathetic towards other people. And um, beyond that, like we've talked a lot about her relationship just by talking about her and Clara's relationship. It's it's interesting to see Harry becoming friends with Draco and leaving Ron to be all bitter and, and alone <laughs> and break bad. And so that's kind of what we were at here. And that's what I think is the most interesting piece of Ara and Nona. Right. And Ara at least so far seems to treat these relationships a bit more in the way that Nona seems to. And I think that's what makes them a something of a more natural fit. Right. And that's kind of how Nona, Nona veered more towards Ara yeah. and kind of leaving Clara behind as well. Right. Cause Ara has a little bit more of that unconditional friendship approach to how she sees her relationships and maybe she doesn't hold as rigidly to that word friend <laughs> and being like born Nona, noble but, and not having to worry yeah. about money or anything like that. She has no need to feel um, like she has to get money or she has nothing to feel really insecure about <laughs> that would kind of potentially drive a wedge in their friendship. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a interesting piece of it as well. We tend to think of characters that come from, nobility to be maybe a little more closed off maybe a little more selfish maybe a little more naive but the more we learn about Ara the the more we see her tolerance and understanding and her ability to uh, really develop a strong bond with Nona um so and I think Clara resents that Clara covets wealth above all things and here's Ara um you know, one step, two steps removed from the emperor, you know, a very wealthy family kind of rubbing it in her face just by existing. So it's, uh, it's, um, it's what creates the interesting kind of love triangle almost that forms between these three characters. That's an interesting point that you made there, Charles, where in some ways Ara already having this sense of security and all that that comes from her being wealthy is part of what enables her to develop such an authentic and genuine connection with Nona, whereas Clara is in a situation where she's she's nervous about her financial situation. Right, she was wealthy and then lost yeah. all the wealth, which is probably worse than just being poor the whole time. Like she, True. She covets it so bad she wants to go back to what she had like she knows what she lost kind of a thing that's a great point well through my (laughs) psychology education this kind of reminds me of something called maslow's hierarchy of needs Hmm. i don't know if you've ever heard of that it's no (laughs) they didn't teach that in business school (laughs) that's a shame because it's it's more of a thought exercise than necessarily something that's held up like rigidly in research um 
but it is the idea of uh, basically people need to fulfill certain more base needs before they get up to the higher level uh, needs, which would be things that are like more abstract, let's say. So at the lowest end are what they call physiological needs. So that'd be basic things like food, water, <laughs> like shelter, things like that, just being able to survive. And if you don't have that, it's hard to start focusing on some of these bigger concerns, of course. Right. Uh, if you're starving, might not be trying to self-actualize. Right? Yeah. So at the higher end, the highest end of Maslow's hierarchy needs is self-actualization. So it moves through this hierarchy basically that's like you have to do you have to fulfill this then you can focus on the next thing so physiological needs on the bottom next up is safety needs those are things like security and having enough resources to get by and then above that are belongingness and love needs things like uh, having close relationships and friendships and genuine connections (laughs) so if you think about the way that Clara would fall on these. She's not feeling that she has the security at that more base level of just having what she needs financially to get by. So she's too focused on those things to really invest to the same level in her close relationship with Nona. She's going to prioritize the safety and resources. While Ara is someone who's always had those safety needs way, way, way secured. So she can focus a bit more on those love and belonging needs, which involve things like friendship. Uh, So it's interesting to think about those two characters through that lens. Yeah, it's interesting to put kind of our, you know, intuition about Clara and actually backing it with um, some, uh, some psychological theory here because who knows what clara would be like if she was just super wealthy like ara you know they would probably have tons of fun together (laughs) but clara can't shake that more base need of belonging in terms of having financial security and security with her honor with to her family kind of a little bit but mostly money (laughs) and uh (laughs) Yeah, it, it it just adds to Clara's resentment of Ara. It's just another reason. It's like one, Nona likes her more, and two, of course she's rich. So, like, it's it's a whole bunch of pieces that make this honest characterization of why Clara would betray Ara before betraying Nona. But by betraying Ara, she's putting herself at odds with Nona. So it's like this more complicated. <laughs> triangle of relationships but it is really what is so fascinating about the characterization in red sister well said charles <laughs> well i'm feeling good about where we're at having discussed great. all that i'm glad we we gave ara her chance to shine there um much like she's walking the path so <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> well um i'm satisfied with our conversation at this point if you are I'm feeling good, Charles. I'll let everyone know where they can reach us while you get that outro Let's music. Get that pumping. outro music pumping. So, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at the FTF Podcast One. 
And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. We're just at the FTF podcast there. We're also available via email if you're into that sort of thing. You can send us an email at the FTF podcast at gmail.com. You can find our website at www.theftfpodcast.com. And if you like what you heard here, and you just so happen to be on Apple Podcasts, then you can toss five stars to our podcast. We greatly appreciate yes, it. Toss five it, stars to our podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's pretty much what I have to say. That's right. Just Google Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Find all our stuff and interact with it. Follow it all. Comment on it all. Like it all. You know the drill, people. Man, another exciting um, Book of the Ancestor episode. We still have the trilogy to get through. A couple more books coming out here. And until then, we will have a lot more No Reading Required, spoiler-free episodes as well. You don't want to miss any of it. But until then, as always, go forth and conquer, friends. <laughs>